Hey everyone, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, if I do say so myself, and do. Um, this is episode 86, I believe. It should tell you in the title, but you know, I'm so good with numbers, I might as well tell you now. Uh, this is the Fine Print Crew panel that I did at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, the origin story of which is that I was complaining on Twitter, like you do, and was just going like, oh, I wish I would get invited to be on a panel, blah, blah, blah. A couple of friends on Twitter were then like, well, why don't we just do that? And it turned into this. So uh, it is, uh, as I said, the fine print crew, the the idea being that we are kind of involved in, in creating comics or part of the comic book industry, but just more comics adjacent. Uh, not the artist, not the main artist, not the writer, but, you know, involved in some way, shape, or form. So it's myself, uh, Dylan Todd, Marissa Louise, Ryan Ferrier, Lauren Sankovich, uh, and Zach Davison are on the, the, the panel itself, and it, the moderator was um, David Brothers, and he did an amazing job. Everyone was awesome. Um, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, which if you are, thank you so much, um, you'll know that Zach Davison and Marissa Louise were both on different uh, episodes of the podcast. Uh, Zach had his own, and Marissa was on a podcast featuring a bunch of colorists. I believe that was a palette of colorists. So uh, that is the, both of those are definitely worth checking out as well because they are well-informed, fascinating people in and of themselves. And this panel was a really fun time. I really enjoyed it. I'm the first one to start swearing because that's just who I am now, <laughs> and there were children in the audience, so that gets pointed out. And there was a lovely little baby who was uh, about a six-month-old who was uh, not so much crying as he was just enthusiastic when any, so anyone would uh, would speak, so I don't know if he turns up on the... I, he might turn up on the recording, if not, uh, just know that there was a lovely little smiling baby uh making himself known whenever we started talking, so that was cool. Um, in other news, uh, if you haven't read the article, which hopefully is up by now, because I sometimes say I'm going to do something, but then I don't, um, there should be an article up on Maniacal Geek explaining that um, the Maniacal Geek side of things, in terms of the writing about comic books and you know, pop culture, all that kind of stuff, is going to kind of go... Um, not go away, but it will be less involved. Um, the podcast is going to stay because, quite frankly, the podcast is a little bit easier for me to do just in terms of being able to talk and edit very quickly if I need to, whereas writing takes up a lot more of my time and I'm just more involved in, in several other things, a few of which involve my own personal life. So, uh, yeah. Uh, not that I don't enjoy doing the writing, but I'm getting burnt out on a lot of things, and the uh, comic book pop culture writing is just the the one that's the easiest to kind of set aside for right now. Um, I will be more involved, uh, actually, with Outsider Comics and Geek Boutique that's in Fremont, Washington, uh, near Seattle, so if any of you are in the Seattle area, please, uh, I would encourage you to go there. I'm going to be helping with a lot of event coordination, which could itself turn into part of the podcast, so it's all going to kind of roll into itself in, in some way, shape, or form. 
And uh, I also just want to do more prose writing. So that takes up a lot of time and energy that, you know, even with the full-time job and whatnot, you know, there's, you're going to, you, you burn the candle at both ends. Guess what happens? So there's that. But uh, if you enjoyed my writing, thank you so much for coming along on this. Uh, it It's not the end. I'll probably still do some sporadic stuff. There's still some ideas there, but it's just not going to be in any way consistent. So uh, I hope that you will continue on uh, listening and uh, kind of following along as well. But if not, I totally understand. I get it. It's uh, it's difficult to uh, spread your time evenly. So there you go. But uh, if you've stuck it out through this intro this long, well done. I congratulate you and uh, honor your, uh, your, your ways. Because <laughs> I obviously know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, once again, episode 86, The Fine Print Crew. Please to enjoy and come back for more. How many of y'all make comics or would like to make comics? Okay, cool. So you're here for advice and uh, a bunch of good jokes, right? We can make that happen. I can't guarantee good jokes, but there will be jokes. I feel like it's like a quantity over quality thing. If I tell enough jokes, I'll get enough laughs where like, like I told one good joke. I, I have no doubt that you can tell many jokes. I cannot vouch for myself, though. Sorry. Let's see. We were um, supposed to script in jokes? Yeah. Yep. But so this is the fine print jobs. These are all the uh, jobs that end up usually not on comics covers, uh, designing, lettering, editing, coloring, though often now colorists uh, get like cover billing, which is kind of cool. I know. I was, I was saying that uh, I'm really surprised this is the first time a colorist is the highest ranking person in a group. <laughs> <laughs> we can change that. Yeah, <laughs> we can definitely change that. <laughs> But no, it's, these are very important jobs in comics. Like someone's got to put the book together. Someone's got to be there for the writer or artist to like kind of keep them on the path they're going. Someone's got to make the books look pretty, you know, in addition to having like the cool art on the inside. And that's what this panel does here. Uh, we've got podcasters, designers, colorists. Uh, Zach Davison, I think, is on the way. He's a translator, so he should be here in a little bit. It's yeah, we're going to give him endless shit for being late. Too. Yeah, right? Nobody reads manga anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> But let me introduce our panel. Uh, we've got Ryan Ferrier here. Uh, he's the letterer, representer. Uh, what books do you work on? Uh, I've worked on a lot. Uh, basically, every uh, most major publishers except for Marvel DC I've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, I did a huge stretch on The Fuse. Uh, right now I'm letting Rat Queens and uh, a bunch of things that pop up. Cool. Yeah. And we're going to talk about like how you find jobs, like how you keep jobs, which is usually the hard part, and <laughs> just kind of like not breaking in so much as like once you've got your like your toehold where do you go from there uh to his left we've got lauren sankovich lauren what do you do uh i am the managing editor for Milkfed criminal masterminds uh whom you may know uh more commonly as uh kelly sudaconic and matt fraction and what does that mean what do you do for them uh, it's sort of like uh, like like child wrangling. Kind of. <laughs> uh, no, um, I handle uh, all day to day aspects of their publishing line, um, and uh, I also do the laundry. 
uh, <laughs> hang out with the kids, um, maybe make some dinner here and there. Uh, but yeah, so I uh, every book that they publish, uh, I have uh, my hands all over. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, so I make sure that everything, you know, from the you know initial concept phase all the way to getting it to the printer and making sure that it is solicited properly and gets to stores on time and in the right shape. Hey, uh, shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then kind of uh, because we're such a small outfit, um, everybody sort of wears many hats. So whatever needs doing. And to her left, we've got Marissa Louise. What do you do? You guys can clap. Come on, it's Sunday. You're at Comic Con. <laughs> I deserve that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> We're gonna so go back around. Everyone gets applause. I'm Marissa. I'm a colorist. Uh, let's see. I just wrapped up Spell on Wheels. I did Escape from New York, RoboCop, um, some books at Stila. Uh, I have some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, I don't know if I can talk about it. Well, I'll tell you anyway. Just don't tell anyone else, okay? This is between... Big time. <laughs> <laughs> it's my one chance to big time. Uh, so, between us, uh, I have a really cool book coming up uh, from Vault in August called Relics of Youth, and it's going to be really fun, and they're letting me go crazy. So, What does go crazy mean in terms of coloring? Uh... Are you all familiar with optical illusions created by color? <laughs> Have you seen those? Uh, well, they're letting me do that. So <laughs> it's technically challenging, but I'm going to do my best to execute it. Cool. And Dylan Todd, what do you do? Uh, <coughs> uh, right now, I, I'm a designer. Right now, I'm working on uh, this uh, Kyle Stark's new Hobo versus the Literal Devil uh, comic, <laughs> Rock Candy Mountain. Um, you guys read any Kyle Starks comics? Uh, Kyle Starks writes like some of the funniest comics in the world right now. Mm -hmm. So he's he's got an image series. It's about hobos trying to find uh, the fabled Rock County Mountain, while, like I said, the literal devil chases them down. Um, I'm also working on Invisible Republic with Gabriel Hardman, Karina Becco, uh, Violent Love with Frank Barbary and Victor Santos, uh, Heartthrob, which is get going into season two at Oni Press. Um, I just, uh, Motro, volume one, uh, I just did the trade paperback, and I guess I'm working on season three of Kaiju Max, oh, um, cool. which is Xander Cannon's, uh, prison story about, uh, Godzilla's, <laughs> 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 but I've done logos for, uh, basically every major publisher except for, I don't think I've done anything for Boom, but anyway. Been around. Yeah, I keep busy. I also uh, write for Comics Alliance sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell us what you do at Comics Alliance. That's another thing that's kind of like an, a fine print job. Yeah, I uh, right now I'm I'm doing uh, TV recaps, which is a very bizarre thing to do. Yeah, and it sounds easy, but it's really not. <laughs> it means you have to watch a lot of television. And yeah, I get paid to watch TV. And you're like, it's <laughs> really horrible. Uh, <laughs> are there any Flash fans in the audience? The TV show. Yeah, check out Comics Alliance and his uh, recaps. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Or you'll hate his opinions. and like <laughs> just You can comment about it. Either uh, way, as long as we get those clicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Samantha, what, what roles do you play? I play uh, one or two roles, a uh, professional whiner, um, a podcast host for That Girl with the Curls, uh, and uh, owner, writer of Maniacal Geek, uh, which is just all, all me. Um, I don't get paid for any of that, but it's cool. 
Um, I've also done some writing on the side, uh, what David's showing up there, uh, Killer Queen. Uh, I did a short. Mm -hmm. uh, based, it's based off of the discography of Queen. Um, so my story was based off of the white queen as it began. Um, and then I wrote for Mad Scientist Journal, uh, which is a, a local uh, journal, and I wrote about a weather machine. So, yeah, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Zach Davison, what do you do? All right. So I have a really odd niche in comics where I basically know a lot about Japan professionally. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my job. It is. It's really strange. So, I mean, and that fills several roles. Like, I think my main number one thing that I do is translate manga. Um, I translate manga for multiple companies, uh, mainly for Drawn and Quarterly, where I curate the Mizuki Shigeru collection. Um, I translate for Dark Horse. Uh, I translate for Seven Seas. I translate for um, Kodansha occasionally. I've got like a little niche, basically, of my manga collection. So um, I tend to translate. Uh, like Carl Horn said, uh, we're, we give you everything that's hard is basically how he expressed it to me. So I don't do like shoujo stuff and things like that. I do like all this really heavy, crazy biographies of Hitler and all things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's my main job. Um, but then along with that, I work some odd jobs, I guess, like for the comic Wayward from Image. Um, I write these backup essays that are like these cultural essays um, that explain certain points that are within the comic and that serves a dual role, which is that it gives Jim Zub, the writer, a little bit more freedom within the comic because he doesn't have to have an exposition character who pops up and you know explains Japan to you um, <laughs> because they have these lovely little essays in the back, and that makes things a lot easier. Um, and then another one of my really odd jobs is basically if you see comics and every now and then a character likes to pop up some Japanese or something or like talks Japanese, um, often that's me. Like uh, for... Adam Warren's Empowered. If you ever see the character Ninjet speaking in Japanese, it's really funny to me because that's my wife. Um, I gave <laughs> I gave Ninjet my wife's voice, and so whenever she's like yelling at Thug Boy or anything, I use all the words that my wife shouts at me when she's angry at me. So <laughs> it makes it really easy. Um, but I've done that on a couple of different comics, and usually. Um, it's really small. It's like one or two words or something. In fact, Dylan and I actually, that's how we met, was working on a comic together because they wanted what I call Japan as decoration, right? People want to um, add it as a little, like, you know, a little frill or a little fluff or a little taste of the exotic. And I'm like, that's fine. Um, I only ask that you actually spend the effort to get it right because I see too many comics where they go to Google Translate and they'll pop something up and it's just complete nonsense. And I'm like, if you're going to, if you want to use Japanese in your comic, it, the easiest thing in the world, send me a quick email and ask me, you know. And so I've done, like, stuff for, um, I wish I could pronounce his name wrong, but I'm just going to say the guy that does uh, Suns Sunspot? What oh, is it? Stefan Sedgwick. Stefan Sedgwick, yeah. So I've done stuff for him, you know. I do stuff regularly for uh, Adam Warren and just, you know, basically through word of mouth, I get random emails and I'm like, hey, how do you say such and such in Japanese? <laughs> um my official fee for this, for Empowered, what I call the Adam Warren fee, is you have to buy me one drink per translation at the next <laughs> convention we're at. So, um, yeah, that's I got why, paid. That's why you were looking so rough. I was going to say, I got paid off last <laughs> night. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's me. Uh, and as you can see, like, there's a ton of work that goes into comic books, it turns out. Um, how many of you want to be, do not want to be writers or artists? You want to have, like, one of these kind of jobs? Just a few of you. Yay. Uh, what do you want to do in the gray shirt? Uh, oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you raise your hand? Oh, yeah, I did. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, marketing would be sweet. Marketing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually pretty close to what Samantha does with the podcast in terms of spreading yeah. the word and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I could always be better at it, definitely. But, uh, yeah, marketing, when you're, when you're trying to self-promote, definitely, it's always kind of this, uh, this crapshoot of – there's a line where you're like, I don't want to be too meek, but I also don't want to be so forceful that people are so fucking annoyed at me. Sorry, there's children. <laughs> I was the... Sorry. <laughs> Look, my podcast is not as explicit. It's explicit. So I apologize to the small child that just walked in. It's okay. Um, it's, it's baby stage, right? We're, yeah, we're, we're still okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been going through this a lot where I always kind of self-doubt myself. You know, I'm always kind of being like, oh, man, I don't want to annoy them so much. But then if you don't promote yourself, how is anyone going to know what you're doing? So you have to get kind of used to the, um, okay, guys, I'm going to be annoying for about an hour and tell you all about me and why you should be listening to me. Um, and again, there's always room for, for improvement on that, too. So Is that scary like to kind of walk that line yeah always I'm I I, it's very similar to how I was just in high school you always worry that you're wasting people's time (laughs) and uh but when you're you're trying to make a a hobby or a career out of something like this or at least something that gives you pleasure in what you're doing you have to kind of you have to break out of whatever comfort zone is holding you back to a degree and then you go like, well, if I want someone to listen to me, then I have to let them know I exist, first of all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm always scared. I'm always nervous right before a podcast. And then I'm in it, and then, I'm, and then, it's, then it's gone. Because then you're just having a conversation with someone. But everything leading up to, I am nervous. <laughs> like, just so scared out of my mind. And, uh, Lauren, I want to switch gears to editing because – like, I've edited a few comics, and I feel like I'm not good at more it. More than a few. More than a few. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, and, and some a few really, series, really good ones. Say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you've been doing it for a long time, and, like, you're excelling. Uh, what's the, how did you get into editing in the first place? Like, why was that a thing? Um, so I never had any aspirations to become an editor. Um, when I was a kid, I, I was at a, a very um, uh, difficult time choosing between astronaut or velociraptor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is tough. Uh, they s- both seem kind of equally out of reach. Um, but uh, when I was in school, I did a lot. I, I double majored in uh, archaeology and theater, and I ended up uh, with theater. You know, like oh, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I know, I want to be on stage. And I realized that I am a terrible actor. Um, I'm really good in the chorus because I don't really care what people think. I just can't remember the lines, so it's good to have someone, <laughs> you know, ten other people that are saying the same thing. Um, but I realized I really like doing. Um, tech and I like being uh, behind the curtain and I liked helping other people excel um, and that is what gave me joy uh, so uh, f- one of my good friends from college who also did theater with me she ended up working uh, at Marvel out of right out of college and I stayed in touch with her and um, she had uh, I had collected cards and watched the, the cartoons as a kid but I never read comics I read books like giant uh, sci-fi fantasy books that were thousands of pages long. Um, and so I uh, uh, I stayed in touch with her, and I started working in academic publishing, and, um, and a job uh, opportunity opened up at Marvel, and she vouched for me, and that's so that's kind of how I got my in. Um, so networking is very important. Uh, and not just for not just for uh, you know for like hey can you get me a job but like hey can would you be willing to teach me hey do you actually want to be like legitimate friends um, and you you know you never know where that's going to lead um, so I so I ended up at Marvel for about seven years and then uh, I kind of I, I wanted something different for myself and so I uh, 
ended up uh, going out to Los Angeles to try my hand at television. So I did that for about a year. And then um, I had uh, cre- I had uh, built a good relationship with both Kelly Sue and Matt. So when they, um, when they had uh, signed their producing deal, they were like, hey, we need someone to take care of our books. So um, I ended up doing that with them. Uh, and I've been doing that for about two plus years at this point. Um, so yeah, I feel like I might have gotten away from your question. No, that was good. <laughs> David, David, are we doing questions after or during? I, I was uh, we can do it during, yeah. Go for it. I would love to hear from each one of you uh, the value um, and the role that going to college or getting training plays in your career. If it did or if it didn't, or if it was just a lucky break. Or None at all, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> um, at least for me. Uh, I went to school and I have a fine art degree and now I'm a manga translator. So it played a role, I think, something like Laura said that I learned in getting my art degree that I really suck at art and that I should do something else. So um, that was that (laughs) valuable role. But like I learned how to be a manga translator just because I decided I wanted to do it. And so um, I had read a theory once that like a lot of people are probably familiar with this, that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to actually master a craft. Um, And so I decided to give, there is no school or training on how to be a manga translator. So basically what I did is I took a series of books, the comic book Dr. Slump, that had already been translated into English. It's a great comic. I figured if I was going to spend time with it, it should be something good. So I took the Japanese version, and I took the English version, and I started page one, book one, and I translated it. After I translated it, I compared it to the published product to see how close I'd gotten. And as I went from book to book to book to book, I got better and better and better and better and started to learn how translation worked and what choices were made um, and why they did certain things, why this said this here, but they made it say this here. And when I first started on book one, I was like, well, they did it wrong. And by the time I was on book eight, I said, oh, I was wrong. They actually did it correctly, you know, so it was just self-taught. So anyone else? Um, I, in terms of lettering, um, I, I went to design school. I was a graphic designer. That was my day job for many years. Um, and it, the, yeah, like the, the, the learning the programs, the design programs helped uh, sort of, not entirely. It, I had some, you know, knowledge of how to, these are the tools I need to do this task. However, uh, lettering has a very specific uh, skill set and an element of creativity that made my first outing a uh, complete nosedive. So <laughs> there is a short learning curve um, in terms of lettering. So, but, but I've seen lots of people pick it up and do it themselves. I think that's the beauty of comics is anyone can kind of do it if they have the gumption to do so. So, uh, like I said previously, um, I didn't, you know, major in English or anything like that when I was in school. Um, what I found helpful uh, in retrospect going to college is that it helped me learn how to learn better, and also uh, got me very socialized. So I was able to, I knew how to meet a lot of different kinds of people. I knew how to interact with a lot of different kinds of people. I have social anxiety, so it uh, it helped me sort of deal with that in a in a, a more productive, constructive manner. Um, and so, like, you know, putting on my, my professional cape so I could go out and, like, you know, and, and do the business that needed doing. Um, but also, like, being in theater uh, allowed me to uh, work on 
to understand storytelling and actually uh, uh, engage in that like live, like you know, being on stage or being or doing, you know, being a director or being, uh, you know, a scenic designer or the stage manager and understanding, you know, but like quite literally breaking down. Uh, the scenes, blocking things out, and uh, and figuring out how everything works together. And hey, can we do this better? Or uh, or uh, you know, what's uh, what's our next step? So uh, I found college very handy for that. Um, I I'm obviously not in theater, and I am not an archaeologist, uh, <laughs> but uh, I still felt that it was extremely worthwhile. Uh, for some people, going to college it's not necessary. Uh, if you if if you know what you want to be doing, or you you thrive in a more practical environment, by all means, go and do that. Uh, I continued to uh, you know, have various odd jobs when I got out of school. Uh, I was a, a lighting tech that worked in a really cold warehouse for most of a year, and realized I didn't want to be a lighting designer. And I, I worked, uh, you know, for for an opera company, and realized I I hated customer service. And <laughs> you know, and uh, I sold merchandise, and realized I'm a terrible retailer. Uh, but I met a lot of people and got to experience many many different things. I think I had like five jobs at one point. Um, so I think the the biggest thing is to keep challenging yourself and trying new things it may make you wildly uncomfortable but you will hopefully get something out of it you know the worst case scenario it's oh i really don't want to do this at all and also if you want to be an editor it might help to you know learn some grammar and things like that they totally come in handy (laughs) although as a comic book editor uh it is uh uh because you're doing so much in dialogue uh, and like dialects uh, uh sometimes you uh the being flexible and fluid is uh oftentimes more important sometimes sugar is spelled with an ah that's what i hear uh, that's what i hear and sometimes uh you you have writers who are allergic to punctuation so. <laughs> Uh, so I went to Pratt, which is a fine arts school. I majored in painting, um, minored in art history. Uh, I am massively in debt from it. Uh, I will probably never pay it off. Uh, and I want anyone considering college to think about that. But here's the fundamental thing I learned from there. I learned how to fail with grace. And that is something you need in networking and in art. And I learned how to consume uh, different media in a way that relates uh, to the media, right? So I don't, I don't consume comic the same way I consume television. And I think, for me, that gives me a particular voice as a colorist. Um, and uh, yeah, failing with grace, being exposed to new things, and uh, just doing your best to move forward even when things are against you. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is the major thing I wanted to say, is meeting deadlines. Because Pratt <laughs> would give us more work than was humanly possible. And, and the goal was to put it unkindly to break you. Um, and you would have to figure out how to prioritize art over other art and how you can efficiently do it. And that is an incredible skill that is hard to teach yourself, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Uh, I, I also I have an art degree as well. <coughs> and and just to, I, I kind of echo everything she says. The other thing is that sometimes you really learn that uh, done uh, well is better than perfect most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Which with comics, 
comics deadlines are insane. Like yeah. <laughs> the number of times I've said, "Oh, I forgot. Can you have this done by Monday at end of day?" It's Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you just sort of you just sort of do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comics and are crazy. Yeah. And if you've done it enough, and if you're if you're good enough at it, then then like I, I think I've hit my ten thousand hours. Yeah. But but yeah, I what Marissa said. That's TLDR. What Marissa <laughs> <said>. <laughs> That's the phrase I always use: is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah. 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 I still I still do the best work. I still mm-hmm. do my best work. I I don't ever half behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, actually, there are a couple things. There are a couple logos that you will never see on my. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. editors have art directed them, or because I did not have enough time and I needed it, but they were happy with it, so <laughs> you uh, got your money. <laughs> exactly, I cashed that check. <laughs> Samantha, what about you? Um, I have a master's degree in American history from Western Washington University up yeah. in Bellingham. Yeah. Uh, American history? No, I'm, I'm getting to that. Um, yeah, and I have an emphasis, a specialty in um, archives and records management, which is what my actual profession is when I'm not doing a podcast as a, as a uh, assistant archivist. But the, the thing about history is that, you know, and going to uh, through a master's program like that is that they teach you how to look at text from an analytical point of view. You have to be able to summarize a chapter in like a paragraph and those chapters are, you know, 50 pages long. So you have to figure out what's the most that needs to be said right now. Uh, you have to meet deadlines for papers, which, you know, is always the crunch time because I procrastinate so terribly. Um, and that last week is always like, oh, God, I'm like this thesis sucks, but it's the only thing I can do. Um, but it was tremendously helpful to me just because it um, it helps me in when I write reviews or when I'm talking to people on the podcast. I have that background in history that's given me that ability to kind of analyze a person's work. Um, I was I had did a podcast with Kelly Sue DeConnick, you know, name dropping because I do. Um, she's okay. I know she's fine. She's all right. Do you know her? Yeah, yeah you yeah. know her. Yeah, she's from. I think I, I think I've seen her around the office. Yeah, she's, she's there. Uh, but yeah, I, I I wrote a thing about deconstructing Pretty Deadly because it just appealed to me in that way, and uh, and I went through like. Uh, the symbolism of the animals because I used to read mythology as a kid and uh, and then talk yeah that. we love it when we that, that was, no, so, it was a beautiful piece no it's it's so it, I mean it just because uh, I have a tattoo that's a mashup of Pretty Deadly and Bitch Planet because I love wow. her that much <laughs> and I'm that devoted so yeah come at me um, but yeah the it, it, a lot of it was training in school and then a lot of it was also just me you know wanting to analyze stuff because I was always a really critical child <laughs> which probably to the detriment of my parents but uh, yeah, I, I mother this meatloaf. Yes, <laughs> you know, you do know that the colonialization of ketchup is a uh, <laughs> father. There's a lane change opportunity up ahead. Mm. You will get us there far more efficiently if you move. Exactly. Does no, the ketchup is problematic. It is. It's very problematic. <laughs> Unless you're into catsup, then we're not even having this conversation anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, um, it's tremendously helpful. But like, uh, like everyone's been saying, it's not necessarily for everybody. Um, and also doing the podcast has made me into like an amateur audio engineer uh, because I have to fix my own mistakes. I have to amplify voices when my phone doesn't record properly. I have to figure out how to convert wave to, you know, MP3 formats and 
all those things that you don't think about until it becomes a problem and you have to either solve it or send an email to someone that goes, hey, you know how we recorded that two-hour conversation? Yeah, I lost it because I don't know anything about how my tablet works right now. Um, so those are it, – it's stuff that's as much on the fly as it is from a previous education or experience. And uh, you mentioned luck in your original question. Uh, was it like education and luck? The thing about luck is that it's – like that's just like the right place at the right time, but you still have to show and prove. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, something that uh, Kelly Sue says, and actually <laughs> put into volume two of Pretty Deadly is that you don't get your fortune until you get it. You know, you don't have your fortune until you get it. So you're, you don't get your luck ahead of time. You get it after. Yeah. You get it after yeah. you do the thing. Yeah, because you, or if, if you, you get get really unlucky, you get your chance before you're prepared, and then it's yeah. a huge mess. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that. <coughs> yeah, there is. I was going to say, like, you get your chance. Because, like, when I first got my very first job, luck played a huge role in it. Like, I actually, like, I really wanted to work for, for this company for Drawn and Quarterly. And I, I just went to their website, hunted down to their little Contact Us button, clicked it, and sent an email. You know, it's like, hi, you've never met me before. You don't know who I am, but I want to work for you. And at the exact moment my email came in, they were um, – in discussion in the office to look for a new translator because they weren't happy with their old one. So it was just like perfect timing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was just pure luck. And then I did like, I, so I, they were like, well, you know, we're thinking about it. So I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a comic that you already have, you know, tell me a comic you have that you haven't published yet. I will translate a hundred pages of it, send it to you. If it's better than your current translator, fire that person and hire me. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what they did. It was really cutthroat and brutal, and I feel bad because I know who they fired. And um, Yeah, but the chance comes. And if I wasn't prepared for it, if I hadn't done my 10,000 hours prior to that chance, I, I would have you know, bailed out and not gotten my second job. So, How long did that 100 pages take? <laughs> it took one weekend where I didn't sleep because <laughs> I, I seriously, like, yeah, it, it did. I just spent the entire weekend busting my ass out to get it done, so... I mean, luck is definitely part of it, but it all, it, it is, I mean, it is just knowing people mm -hmm. and being cool and doing your job. Doing your mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. um, showing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think getting that first chance, right, is one of the hugest things because until then, no one knows whether or not they can actually spend money on you, right? It's one thing yeah. to have, be friends with everyone, but having a proven ability to meet a deadline and like a published book and like... You know, I think that when you get that one chance, you have to you have to knock it out of the park. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And this is one of the things about networking. When you're networking, um, you think of it like uh, falling snowflakes. Right. You're trying to amass a, a snowball of how trustworthy you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> this is my own axe to grind. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But when you're networking, be attentive to how much alcohol you're drinking because <laughs> that does not prove that you are a trustworthy person. Yeah. Some people yeah. can get away with it, but mm. the chances are you can't. Um, <laughs> so uh, Jack Cohen at Fanographics, I met her at SDCC a few years ago, and she does not drink a con. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a good idea. Because yeah. her job is to go and talk She's to a you. marketer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I, I think going along with that is uh, is remembering that this is a job. This is a professional industry. As, as, as casual yeah. as, you know, we dress mm -hmm. and we talk yeah. and, you know, people are friendly and they do go to the bar and, and hang mm -hmm. out, you are wanting to be part of a professional industry. So treat it as such. If you were, if you were applying for an accounting job, you would take a shower, you would comb your hair, you <laughs> would put on nice clothing. 
Um, you would show up on time. You, you would, would have talk your, respectfully. Yeah, you'd have your resume mm. with you. Uh, if you were an artist, you know, put together a nice portfolio of recent work that you know hopefully you've done within the last month. Um, you know, dr- you know, wear something nice. Uh, be polite. Uh, tr- you know, treat the people that you're going to that that might be potential employers like employers as people you know people who could hire you. No, to that it. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, additionally. <coughs> Comics seems like it's a very big, uh, a very big industry because it's owned by, you know, Warner Brothers and uh, Disney for the most part. Uh, but it's a very small pool, and if you poop in the pool, somebody <laughs> know exactly where that poop came from. Because um, not only do we people go talk, y'all. People <laughs> talk. <laughs> not only do we go to the bar knows. and drink, but we go to the bar, and if you have pooped in the pool, it gets around. Yeah. <laughs> No, and and into what Lauren was saying about being your know, professional, like every email I send out to people asking them to be on the podcast is the most professional email I could possibly put together. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I've been, I've been on your podcast, Sam. You pretty much just like said, "Hey, remember, remember oh, Rose City?" Oh, okay. So when we've had an actual conversation, it's a different thing. But if it's like, yeah. mine, get progressively less. Yeah, yeah, no, right. If it's the, if it's, I think I got single letters from you at one point. Yeah, I think I got single letters from you. It's like Kay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No. Was it for the CBLBFA? Probably. That's why. That, was a, the, that was a project. The first oh email is always, hi. You know, I try to use first names unless I'm really, like, super, you know, worried. But it's because my mom taught me this. It's like, use the last name until they tell you otherwise. And that has stuck with mm-hmm. me, like, ever since. Um, I can be very casual. But if it's that first email, it's always, hey, uh, you know, my name is Sam. I'm writing about, you know, inquiring you know using the the bigger five you know cent words or whatever and just going like i'm wondering if you would like to come on the podcast here is a link to it here is this this and this and i i show my work first and i always give them the option to be out of it too i'm like look if it's not something you did cool i'm still a fan it's not predicated on that at all like i'm not that type of person but if you are down with this then please you know uh email me back and we can set something up i try to give the um, person I'm trying to bring on as much control over the situation as well because it doesn't do me any favors to be you know micromanaging it to the degree that no one feels comfortable coming on. Yeah. That kid knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So, so it's fine. And uh, it, it's gonna say it sounds like we segued to networking, which is awesome because I like networking is so vital when you're on the fine print crew because you're not in the ad you know most of the times you're not in the advertisements people may not even know you ever worked on the book right so you've mm-hmm. got to that's all got to happen through word of mouth right almost every job i've ever gotten has been hey my buddy zach could help you out here right that's how i got on wayward i only got on wayward because i was good friends with brandon seffert who was friends with jim and i'd never met jim before in my life and all of a sudden this email comes in from jim's up and it was like this chain of people you know that passed me down and the same with, you know, working on empowered and a lot of other books, you know, that's how almost all the emails come in. Like that's how I got working on with Dylan, you know, even a friend, like a mutual friend that is not even in the comics industry just sort of passes the information down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, uh, it's good that we have Marissa here because I think Marissa is one of the best uh, networkers in. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like I, I've met, I've, I met Marissa last year and like we're best friends. <laughs> no, um, it's true. We love each other. It really is. Um, it really is who you know. Like the reason I, I've worked with Lauren because I knew Sam, and yeah, and Sam, Sam was Humphreys, like, "Hey, there's this Sam guy." Humphreys because I knew Andy Corey, and I knew Andy Corey because 
I went and hung out with Comics Alliance people in San Diego like six years ago and ended up writing for the site. You know, it's just really, it's a meritocracy because you have to actually put up the work mm-hmm. after you've done it, but it is also a lot of <coughs> just knowing people and yeah. talking to people and being cool. Yeah, like, so be cool. Don't let be, me let me give some cool, instruction no on being cool, um, <laughs> because I I That's also have like <laughs> I also have like uh, social anxiety. Like I'm I'm terrified of people. But my way of funneling that is well, if you ever catch me, um, often what I'll do is I'll just like give people my undivided attention because I know there is a thing we're gonna connect about. And given that we're all here at a comic book convention. The chances are wildly increased that we have that in common already. And so my, I thought it was a turnip truck. My, <laughs> oh, man. Hey. my technique for for networking is to pay attention to what people are telling me and ask them questions and give them my undivided attention. And don't just like flit around looking for the cooler, better person because that hurts and people remember that and you don't, to, to put it the most Machiavellian way, you don't know who's going to rise where and when they're going to remember they, they saw you <laughs> looking at all the people behind them looking for the chance to break off and be like, oh, that person looks, they're more established right now. I'm going to go over there. So just, uh, you have things in common. And, yeah. and you'll be able to find them. And it's okay to be nervous. Mm-hmm. We're all terrified. It's mm. fine. I promise. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to swing towards uh, Ryan, but I just want to say one more thing on networking. Uh, you can't be ruthless about it. Like, yeah. if you're out there trying to meet people to, to, like, get your first gig, to get paid, to pay your rent, and then buy a house, like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You pretty much have to meet people because you actually enjoy their company or appreciate what yeah. they do. Uh, and also put yourself in their shoes. Like, would you want to be approached by you? Yeah. No, and if so, how? <laughs> Especially after 500 other people have already approached them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm, do, do try to consider the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also add, don't misrepresent yourself. Because I was just talking to someone last night who was telling me that, you know, oh, I'm a comic book writer, you know, I, you know blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so what have you done? Oh, nothing yet, you know. So I'm like, well... Then you're not really a comic book writer, um, you know. You so have to finish first. Yeah, there's yeah. the the fake it till you make it thing that is, you know, it has its value. But um, you know, be honest with people, you know. Uh, so Ryan, <coughs> excuse me, my, my voice is finally going hoarse. I'm doing nine of these panels this weekend. Uh, how did you get started in lettering? I feel like that's such like a vital component of comics, but it's so underappreciated. Uh, it's funny. I'm actually a writer. Um, I like I, I write comics still, yeah. and and uh, I've I've kind of followed the same trajectory at Brisson where we, when we started out writing, we um, lettered to kind of as a way to meet people and as a way to learn more of the craft and as a way to do work in comics that wasn't necessarily for us. And we both were designers, so we could flex those muscles. Um, but I got started because I, was, I, I, I the first comic I ever pitched as a writer, um, the publisher, very, very, very small publisher, uh, they said to me, okay, well, you're a designer, which was my day job at the time, uh, so you know the software, so you can, you can letter it. And I was like, ah, sure, and this comes back to what I said earlier. So I lettered it, and it looked terrible. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a learning curve, and... and and I uh, stuck with it. And it's actually now that I'm full-time 
uh, comics, it's a lot of times that's what pays the bills mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. And it's also a way for me to, um, it's going to sound weird, but to it's the only time I get to work on comics um, and listen to music. Oh, yeah. Because when I'm writing, I, I can't. So, um, I, I, uh, I tried my hand at lettering and blessed letterers. <laughs> it was for Matt Wilson's comic, Copernicus Jones, Robot Detective, which he has for sale up in the Fazone. Um, it's a lovely, it's a lovely book, and I, I, I was so slow at it and so uh, bad at it. I, I'm not bad. It looks good. But I was like, I, I don't think I could do this. I would. It was a struggle. Yeah, I would jump off a building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, something I forgot to mention about this panel is we've got like Zach's work, Lauren's work, uh, Dylan's work. That all comes before the comic is made. Samantha is mostly after, like on terms of the marketing and the podcast and having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Ryan and Marissa, they are the like the last vanguard of getting a comic made. So be kind to your colorists and letterers. Yeah, uh, we we do actually remember yeah. who yeah. turns stuff in super late. <laughs> and uh, Ryan, do you want to? Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about at some point is the working with a team under stress mm-hmm. because comics is very high stress. Uh, can you speak that to that, Ryan? Um, yeah, you have, you can, you will go absolutely monstrous with yourself if, if, if you don't figure out very quickly, uh, how it works, how it, you, you cannot change it. Like, and Dylan, you know, with client work. So like, uh, for lettering, this is your, this is your deadline. The, the comic book has to go to print here and no pencils and, 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 and inks. Uh, you know, are here, and then so their deadlines here, but then not to say that it's the artist's fault, but who like just the machine makes the deadlines go like this and this, and this is the letters deadline, and it never moves, so you end up like it has to go to print. So you I, you always do the work with the least amount of time, and you typically get the least amount of pay. Yeah. Um, see, yeah, is that kind of. Yeah, so um, I think maybe a little more with colorists. One of the things we have to do uh, is we have to answer to the <laughs> to the editors, to the pencilers, to the inkers, um, and uh, we have a lot, and the writers. We have a lot of uh, opinions coming our way, uh, and so when just by nature of things happening, there's like a problems sort of pile up and exponentially add to each other. So if your writer gets sick, they're late, then uh, your penciler is already late, but then maybe their Wacom broke. <laughs> so then, <laughs> then, you know, like it gets, it gets later and later and that stuff happens. But it does create a high-stress situation where as a colorist, you have to get your stuff to the flatter or you have to flat it yourself. So every colorist should know how to flat because there's going to be emergencies. Um, and then also, there's a job called flatting. Yeah, we don't yeah. have any flatters. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have them on here because they're <laughs> they're behind they're, the scenes. Nobody cares. About they're, them. Yeah. they're super. <laughs> they're in the walls. Oh my god! No, Somebody colorists. Actually, if you if you if you really if you really want to break in, flatting it is an amazing way to do it because colorists always need reliable flatters. Can you explain and what flatting is? Yeah. So flatting. Um, it, it is literally comics' best kept secret. It yeah. is. It's um, It's you guys. It's a miracle, and it's really. It's super easy to break into. It's not complex to do at all. Uh, if you imagine uh, an opaque piece of paper, right, 
and then you imagine lines as okay, a trans. <laughs> No, right, it means the opposite of see-through. You wonder why I say you're a... Yeah, we can edit our opinion on the opinion. That's why, because I was like, people may not know that, because I obviously don't know that. Okay, opaque means not transparent. So then, on a transparent piece of paper, there's the liner, okay? And you cut out the opaque piece of paper. That's what flats is, but digitally. And then the colorist can take those selections and render on those selections so that the the color stays under the line art. And it's really an important thing. Actually, do you have that really crazy one I did where everything's offset? This one? Yeah. Okay, so do you see how the lines are offset? Um, that was a technique I used, but uh, if you do it on accident, it can look really, really sloppy. And part of what flatters do is they prevent that kind of sloppiness so that I can do these things with control, okay? Uh, so under high-stress situations, I have to manage my flatter, and I have to absorb the stress of my team without, uh, without taking it personally um, because they're under stress, I'm under stress, my flatter's under stress. <laughs> and so I have to take their criticisms and know how to process that in a way that's very constructive and that doesn't um, explode your team dynamic because there are people that will do that and they don't last long in the industry. And uh, just as part shameless self-promotion on this, Marissa was on an episode of That Girl with the Curls. It was all it was an all-colorist panel, so it was uh, Marissa, Tamara Bonvillain, uh, Kelly Fitzpatrick, and KM uh, uh, Russell. Uh, so, and they were all talking about being colorists, and uh, so I would recommend that if you are interested in, in, in doing that too, because they are extremely knowledgeable, and I didn't really know all that much about how, how it works with colorists either, and Marissa was ridiculously knowledgeable <laughs> and, and set me straight, so there you go. <laughs> well, just to sort of call back to our earlier conversation, I think art school helps with that when you're getting notes from editor you can sort of prioritize which notes are legit yeah which notes are not legit but having done crits in in school like you know yeah. mm -hmm. well that's a stupid note and i'm not doing yeah. that well, <laughs> don't forget about that also getting criticisms one one amazing tool you can do as your career is beginning is you get a criticism group together of mm -hmm. you and your friends and you critique each other's work and Fair it gives enough. you practice not taking it personally it gives you practice thinking about the work, and it gives you practice communicating in a way that's not rude to your teammates. Mm -hmm. I was approached as if this were my project, I would dot dot dot. But so anyway, Dylan, that's a different. What you're saying is you learn whether or not it's too legit to crit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're not that's exactly correct. <laughs> I'm not giving that man a mic again. I apologize. That's the panel, everybody. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something. Uh, um, I have a question for Lauren. Oh, yes. you're going to talk? Well, I wanted to kind of uh, uh, touch on a lot of the things that are being said, with, uh, especially with regard to uh, the colorists and the letterers. Um, uh, for those of you who are interested in becoming an editor or working with an editor, um, uh, uh, editorial has so many different facets and uh, can be used in so many different ways. And every job that you have is very different. The team that you are working with has different needs. Uh, so being, you know, uh, being adaptable 
is, uh, is a big part of that. Um, but one of the, uh, the biggest things to keep in mind as an editor is uh, that you need to be the most organized person on the team. Uh, hopefully everyone on your team is organized, but probably not. Uh, mm -hmm. So you need to be more organized than everyone. You need to know where everything is. And part of that, part of being the editor is also that you are there to advocate for every member of your team. Uh, it's uh, you are you are not there to make yourself like the coolest editor ever. You are there to make sure that this book gets done and that no one dies. Yeah, uh, I, I've <laughs> definitely had editors protect me from some really mm -hmm. awful notes and awful situations. Yeah. So editors are like, and like editors being able to see when these problems are coming down the pike. Like you know that oh gosh, the artist was sick, which means that the inker is not going to get the pages till here, and that means that the time I thought I had for the colorist is screwed and then that means the letter is screwed how do we uh how do how can we uh how can we fix this how can we make this better can i get an extension can i uh can i like get some of the pages done earlier so that the you know the colorist can start can i get layouts so that i can have something for the writer to dialogue so we can get the letter working so we can just drop stuff in instead of having to do it at the last minute uh making sure that you as the editor, you need to be able to see the entire picture. Like you are, uh, you are looking at this bird's eye view, uh, but you also need to be able to like go in and pinpoint things very closely. So, uh, being able to go th that that adaptability uh, is is pretty vital uh, to actually be a uh, a useful uh, member of the team. Uh, that's also sort of like the coach. You're not the quarterback, <laughs> but you are the coach. <laughs> Sports ball. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Well, I was a lifeguard for five years. <laughs> oh no way! Were you really? I yeah. was lifeguard too. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually a third generation lifeguard. Nice. Wow. Yeah, my mother, my mother, and my grandmother. Yeah, yeah. You, have to, you have you have to have a fine arts degree and uh, you know have been a lifeguard. So, so it's like a, it's like it's like those a, two things and you're will, ready. It's like a degree in child wrangling. Yeah, I will say that before I worked in comics, I I was I was pretty hypercritical just because that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, having worked in comics for a few years now, it is a wonder that there is ever anything on the stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You are lucky <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just know that there's a lot of people that lost a lot of sleep on exactly. every single issue of mm -hmm. anything that you pick up. Which is why being good, being good at your job is very important. Being being good at your job and easy to work with is more important than anything else uh, yeah easy to work with and on time actually trumps good and you know at your job <laughs> more than a few times yeah, like, you know yeah there's like those three things like yeah. you, can, you, you can be good you can be on time you can be friendly and you need to be at least two of those yeah. you need to be at least two yeah. if you are not at least three. two yeah th all three is, is the best yeah. but yeah. if you are not Dream at least things. two you should reassess uh, something amazing is I was basically going to ask Lauren a question that would have got that exact same answer so well done <laughs> you're welcome um, we've got about five minutes left so we can do some Q&A if anybody's got some burning questions right here Um, it's a good question because, yeah, I do still struggle with that from time to time because you're not, you know, controversies come up uh, and sometimes you have people on who you're like, I don't know if this is a person I can bring this subject matter up with. Um, I recently had uh, Nancy Wong Yoon on who wrote a book about um, uh, racism in Hollywood. 
Um, and so it's like try. I mean, and I'm I'm a white girl. I mean, so you have to check that at the door to a certain degree and be like, we have to. If we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about this. And that's the same you know reasoning I try to bring to the comics uh, discussions as well because people are writing books that are trying to say something, especially now. I mean, it, not like it hasn't already been that way, but now everything's becoming far more politically charged, and you have to you have to kind of talk to yourself about it and go like, are you are you com- I mean, are you comfortable broaching that subject? And if you are, you have to be okay with what happens, you know, what comes out of it. And I always tell people like, look, if you're not comfortable saying certain things or you want stuff taken out I'm willing to do it but if you feel like that's something that you never want to talk about we don't have to talk about it because the last thing I want to do is make anyone feel uncomfortable when they're speaking but most people are very passionate about what they what they do and what they know and what they love and so it's it's I've been fortunate that I've had very few uh, um uh, emails coming at me going like hey you know that whole diatribe I went on can you cut that out that's like 20 minutes of an hour podcast <laughs> so um, I've been very fortunate in that regard I think that comes down to each of us too I mean we all work in comics we all like comics we all read comics and sometimes you have to be political in the way that you speak about other people's work mm-hmm. some people like I, there are creators that I there are creators that I Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With and I'm kind of okay with that because they're scumbags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I I was gonna say two things. So one one was Samantha's on the podcast. Like one thing when I'm on a podcast that's super key is to make a clear distinction between when we are officially starting the interview mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're having chat time. I feel like right. There's a story there. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because sometimes you're just you're dishing dirt or something, but you don't want mm-hmm. it to go on the air, right? You know. No. And and I always tell people when we're starting to record because yeah. I do start recording once because I do mine primarily through Skype, um, but I. You know, you I start recording once the phone conversation happens, like once you know everyone's kind of on board. But then I always make a point to be like, "Oh, hey, we're recording right now, so if anything prior to that you're not comfortable with, I'm I'll get rid of it." I mean, if that was just you talking shop and you said some things you don't you're not cool about sharing with anyone, awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I try to I try to make a very comfortable atmosphere with people mm-hmm. because it, at the end of the day them being on my podcast is another proof of concept basically. It's like, "Hey, I've had all of these people on my podcast and they can vouch for me in in one way or another and yeah. zach was fine on his he was on there too so. <laughs> and, that hot goss. that's right <laughs> <laughs> and like and twitter also like your twitter is public right i mean and so you you do have to sort of be careful what you do on there and i make like a personal Why policy because <laughs> i uh, follow you on twitter <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've seen you yeah, no. like I make it my personal policy to like shout as loud as I can about the stuff I really love and the stuff I hate, keep a voice quiet and talk about it personally because nobody really needs to hear me trashing, especially not say if it's someone in my same line, I will never trash them publicly. Yeah, no, that's, Absolutely that's never. That's bad Even uh, if I think they suck. But at the same time, <laughs> I have a day job, so, you know, get a safety if, I net. if I get yeah. run out of comics on a rail, then... <laughs> <laughs> Thrown back onto the so truck. It. At least I went yeah. out. Yeah. He accidentally fell on an ice pick seven times. In yeah. seven <laughs> um, we can do one last question. Who wants to go for it? Uh, you. Just ask him at the same time. Yeah. In the gray. Go. How many? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, we were good. Keep going. All right, last question. Yeah, both of you. Go, go gray, then go green. Yeah, go, it's like go, go yeah, fast. Go for it. Go, go, go. With the exception of uh, podcasting. What other jobs are there related to market? Sorry. Uh, are there related that could be? You know, if you have a background in marketing and advertising, that could then be marketing. Marketing, yeah, PR, yeah, Publicity, marketing yeah. and PR, yeah, Publicity, social media, copywriting, also yeah. sales, yeah, copywriting, yeah. there's, copy there, there's a lot, yeah. yeah, and most most places will let you know when they're hiring. Okay, that was a quick one. Yeah, yeah. your turn. You actually, do have day, jo- day jobs and do this on the side. Everybody, just us two. Yeah, I'm an art director at a uh, business, a chain of casinos in Las Vegas. I am an instructional designer, which is a really weird job that needs like an explanation. So, yeah, an instructional designer at a major company, a major Seattle company that you may have purchased things from online. It rhymes with Shamazon. Shall not be named. <laughs> the ShamWow? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, but so cool. That's basically our panel. This is kind of a look at just behind the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, translating, lettering, editing, coloring. Designing. I, I don't know why I had to like pause for design. It's yeah. all right. And then like podcasting, marketing, and even making your own work. You can wear many hats in comics is the kind of the glory of this yeah. industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zach, where are you at? Oh, I am at V2B, right? Huh? I only get half a table, so there's the B there. <laughs> I wasn't, I was, I've just been walking around. Nice. It's a free yeah. agent. Yeah. Free agent, yeah. Uh, J7J8. Uh, I'm at R8. Mm, I'm vagrant. (laughs) (laughs) I am also a vagrant. (laughs) Awesome. So, uh, if you're interested at all, come to our table and buy some of our excellent funny books. Yeah. It's actually called Psychogeography. Geographer. Uh, Yes, a a psychogeographer is, in fact, a fancy word for vagrant. I love that so much more. Nice. Uh, Did y'all learn anything? Did you like the panel? Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you all for coming out. Thank you.